is Cheers to Your Pivot, a podcast to help you challenge old visions and lead your way. My name is Dr. Taryn, and I'm a leadership coach. I spent two decades climbing the conventional career ladder, only to realize it was not what I wanted. So I decided to pivot and start my own business. And I did so with a strategy in hand. My business launched to six figures in less than 90 days. Most importantly, I lead my way. Listen, conditioning kills calling. So let's get started and cheers to your pivot. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm Dr. Taryn, your leadership coach. This week, we're starting the Perspectives mini-series, and I'm super excited. And today, you're going to walk away with a clear understanding of what phase two of my framework looks like and what it feels like to further develop self-awareness and deepen inner confidence in order to evolve to your next chapter of life in leadership. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. It also means you have likely missed the Purpose mini-series. So I want to invite you to go listen to episodes four, five, and six to catch up on the first phase of the Cheers to Your Pivot framework. That is essential because in that phase, we build the communication skills that are necessary to listen, to envision, and to let go. So in those episodes, you'll be able to consider all those things that are necessary to really define what it is that you want. As for today, you are going to leave with a challenge at the end of this episode. So make sure you listen all the way through. So phase two is all about continuous self-improvement using practices to help us unlearn, rethink, and connect. So the three parts of my framework in phase two are to dare discomfort, to rethink routine, and to own identity. And specifically, we're starting with deep diving what it looks like to dare discomfort. So daring discomfort is us challenging ourselves. It's challenging our thinking and our routine ways of being. Dare discomfort means to be brave and be willing to face situations that make you uncomfortable. When you dare discomfort, you might try something new. You might talk to people you don't know. You might tackle a tough conversation that you've been needing to have. Or you may take on a difficult task that you've been completely avoiding, right? Daring discomfort is what needs to happen in order to help you grow. And it helps us learn. And more importantly, it helps us unlearn. The most meaningful experiences and lessons come from facing things that are not easy. And when you do so, you gain so much confidence, you learn new skills, you develop understanding about yourself, 
and the world around you. I know that's exactly what happens when I dare discomfort. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, just about every day that I am in this business as a CEO, running it and ensuring that it is able to be a fruitful experience for myself and my family is me daring discomfort every single day. And it has allowed me to grow so much in this season of my life. So this part of the phase two framework, it helps you see your fit in the world versus how other people fit in the world. And I really want to spend some time talking about this because putting on my educator hat right now, um, this is a lot of the work I see that the world of education and so many other industries, but specifically because I'm so deeply connected to educators. This is the work that I see many of our educators need to do. And much of our programs need to actually think about the fit that their students have in the world versus the adults who are leading and teaching these programs. So you may know that I wrote a book in 2001. It's all about rethinking our education systems in ways that empower people of color, black and brown students, particularly, and help transform adult behaviors. So this is not a book about classroom management. There are no gimmicky like strategies with red, yellow, and blue cards. None of that, right? This is about transforming adult behavior. And in the book, I give practical and doable action steps that do just that. The book is called In All Lanes, and it's loosely based off of my dissertation work around cultural responsibility in the classrooms and the impact that teachers have on students and the impact of teachers' beliefs in the classroom. And so specifically where I want to go with this around daring discomfort is that in the book, I reference tons of literature and research. But one of the researchers and gurus that I research is Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum, and she's the former president of Spelman College. And so Dr. Beverly Tatum, she's an author, she's in, in the world of academia, and, and she wrote a book, she's written many, but the one I reference is, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? And so in the book, Dr. Tatum shares tons of research and professional experiences that helps grounds one understanding about cultural congruence. We're not going to get into that, but I specifically reference her work to illustrate how important it is for you to dare discomfort and for you to actually get a view of how you fit into the world versus your students and their fit in the world. And this is particularly important for white teachers, which 80 to 85% of our national teaching force are white middle-class women. So This is why it's so important to the field of education, because it's important for white teachers in in particular, white teachers, white leaders, to really think about how they fit in the mainstream society and culture and how their students who may be of color. And in most cases, more than half of our public schools make up of students of color. And that is increasing across all school types. And so 
being able to look at your fit in the world versus your students fit in the world is just essential to being able to teach them. And it's essential to being able to create our next generation of leaders and thinkers and our next generation of workforce, right? Because our world is more and more multicultural. And so everyone who's going to be serving and leading and doing work in the next generation will need to be multicultural in their thinking and in their responses. So this is, this is a need everywhere, particularly as it talks about cultivating our future generations. And so Dr. Tatum shares research about what happened when white teachers were asked to describe their ethnic background and social class. And most of them in her research, they struggled to define their ethnic background at all. And Dr. Tatum found that white teachers saw that they were not ethnic. They were just seeing themselves as normal, like just normal people in the world. They actually didn't identify with their background connecting to any culture. It was just, we're just normal. This is just who we are. And so a lot of research supports how many times white people in general, they can grow into adulthood without having to think about their racial group at all. And it's it's not something that they have to confront unless they're pushed to do so, which is why it can be so difficult to be in rooms where that's happening. It is truly unfamiliar. And so as those of us in spaces where we want to lead DEI work and support a community of people to make that transformation around their identity, you must think about the complexity of what it means to have to do something that you've never had to do before and the resistance that comes with sitting in spaces like that. So when a person is a member of a dominant culture or an advantaged social group, the category that makes them dominant or at an advantage is usually not mentioned. And that element of their identity is often taken for granted because it's just part of the dominant culture. So because I see things about myself that are also congruent, they're shown back to me in the same ways that I see them, they're taken for granted. They're not noticeable. And Dr. Tatum really talks about this work in such a way that it helps anyone who doesn't understand it, understand it better. She says, these individuals inner experiences, and this is a quote from her book, Why Do All the Black Students Sit Together in the Cafeteria? According to Dr. Tatum, these individuals, their inner experiences and their outer circumstances are in complete harmony and complete congruence with one another. And the image that is reflected by others is similar to the image that they see within. Once again. Do you find yourself looking over the horizon, dreaming of a change, but you're not quite sure how to take that first step? Well, my friend, it's time to turn the page. Imagine having a personal guide by your side someone who's navigated the twists and turns of career transitions, cheering you on, offering wisdom, and providing the strategies you need to pivot with confidence. 
I just opened up a few more spots in my one-on-one coaching program, Cheers to Your Pivot. I teach people how to pivot with power, purpose, and consciousness. So during our year together, we will have strategy sessions, weekly accountability checks, and you'll get exclusive resources and templates you can use right away. So to learn more, head on over to cheerstoyourpivot.com forward slash program, or click the link in the description below. Now let's get back to the episode. So great example of this is speaking from this perspective, right? I won't ever be able to walk in a white woman's shoes, but taking this research and now putting it in in a scenario, an example, it's like as a white woman, you may look in the mirror, right? And what you see and feel about yourself, meaning that you're valuable to the world and to the economy, you see yourself as someone with purpose, someone with capabilities in the world, someone with many opportunities, right? Because you're of a dominant culture that also sees you that way, right? We get a number of societal messages that say that white women are important. White people in general are important. They are to be valued. They are important to the economy. You know, all these things are said and messages through our societal environment every single day. And so what you see within yourself and what is reflected back to you, they're congruent, they're in harmony, which puts that identity for granted. It takes it for granted and it normalizes it. Now for myself, and I can only speak for myself, but I have a feeling that there are many people of historically excluded groups that do feel this way too. When I look in the mirror, I see all the same things that I would think a white woman would see. I see myself as valuable. I see myself as important. I see myself as worthy. I see myself as a contributor. I see myself as able. I see myself as uh, important and loving and kind and all of these things. But there are so many messages and so many circumstances where I have experienced that not being reflected back to me. What I see about myself is not reflected back to me, meaning I can be perceived as being an angry black woman because that is a societal conversation that happens all the time and an assumption, right? Or combative or, I don't know, poor or sad all the time or whatever some of these images are, not worthy, not worthy of, having value in this world, um, not worthy of leading in spaces where I know I can lead. You know, these are messages that come from society, these external factors. And so that's not a congruent message for me, which is why I know that I am of an ethnic background that maybe is not valued and is not considered worthy to the external environment. And so, in other words, as a member of the dominant culture, these individuals feel valued and respected that inner experience, and they are treated as valued and respected, which is the outer circumstances. Therefore, their feelings of negotiation and guilt and anger are expected when they confront and have to confront whiteness as an element of their identity. And an element of identity that has given them access to power 
in ways that they've taken for granted and really has disregarded the fact that other groups don't have those advantages. So we already know, right, the reason why this is so important for educators is because supportive and successful programs, whether they be for adult learners or for young children, successful programs, they not only embrace historically excluded groups, right, and their histories, but they also understand the importance of replacing oppressive relationships and narratives derived from white dominant culture, right? With narratives and relationships that show worthiness, resilience, and belonging of these historically excluded groups and communities. These programs that embrace the fact that people who are different should be valued and honored and feel like they belong, right? These programs are they're willing to create learning environments where their, their students' voices are heard and their stories are highly visible and accurate and recognized, right? And this is why they are the most successful and the most supportive. But to do that, to do that, it requires you to dare discomfort. It requires you to understand how you fit in the world and to pay close attention to how other people fit into the world. Daring discomfort is doing work that matters. It's challenging ourselves, our thinking, our routine behaviors. It's doing work that matters in ways that are brave and willing to face these situations that make us uncomfortable. Talking about race and power and privilege and all the things that come along with the many intersectionalities we have within ourselves and within the world It takes courage, but a lot of times we find that we shy away from them. We avoid them. We just ignore them and we let things fester. We stay status quo. Daring discomfort is the exact opposite of that. In order to evolve to your next chapter, you have to shed some of your old self. You have to shed some of these old identities and old truths and old understandings and evolve with the times that we are experiencing right now. You know, aside from what may feel heavy around race and conversations around mainstream society and culture and who's fitting in that and who's not, another way of looking at this is just in change in your life. When I decided to essentially, I guess, retire my superintendent hat and build a business, I had to shed part of my identity. And that was painful because I was used to being in positional power and I was used to people noticing my power from afar. And I had to be willing to lose power in order to gain this new identity that served a purpose in my life and allowed me to do work with the communities that I really wanted to do work with for the long term. I had to let go of some of those identities I had of myself that I created all on my own. And so when you think about the changes that need to be made inside of your programs, your schools, and your communities, look at who's holding the power. And one of the first ways to dare some of that discomfort and share that equitable impact and be able to make change 
and advance racial equity in your community, some of that is shedding some of that power. The people in power that has always had the power, letting go of that, shedding that identity and finding ways to share your power in order to really uplift the community that you're here to serve. But that is hard. That requires you to dare discomfort. So I want to leave you with a challenge, right? Because wherever you are in your path, maybe you are a teacher who's working on confronting your bias, or maybe you are someone who's transitioning from one kind of field and industry to another. Maybe you are a a mother, right? Who's now learned that your child identifies differently than who you've seen them as all of their life. And this is really challenging for you, right? All of these things are, are pushing on your comfort zone. And it's asking you to dare discomfort and confront situations head on. So I have a few challenges for you. All you need to do is consider one for this week. I'm going to share five ways you can begin to dare discomfort this week and build new perspectives, whatever that may be. So one, volunteer. Volunteer. Spend some time volunteering for a cause that you really care about. Maybe it's working in a a shelter. Maybe it's volunteering in an organization that's supporting gender fluidity. Volunteer. Figure out something that you want to do and just volunteer. Easy. You can pick up the phone today and do that. Number two, resolve a conflict. We all have a conversation that we've been avoiding. So go and address the misunderstanding directly and respectfully. Pick up the phone, go downstairs, talk to your partner, talk to your child, talk to your mom, talk to your coworker. All of these things are happening in real time. And so you can take this challenge on today or tomorrow, but just do it. It's a first step in daring discomfort. Number three, self-reflect. Set aside some time to just reflect on you. Where did you come from? Who, what groups do you belong to? What are some of your values? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? Ask yourself questions about what truly matters to you and what you want to get out of this life that we have to live here. Number four, ask a colleague for some feedback, you know, and don't go ask the colleague that you know never really says what needs to be said. Don't do that. And keep in mind that you can also find the colleague that will be honest, but will be respectful. So you don't have to go to the colleague that has no tact and just says what they want to say with no regard for anyone's feelings. That's not the person to talk to either. Ask a colleague that you respect and admire to give you some feedback about yourself. You know, when I was a deputy superintendent, we did these 360 feedback loops and I really loved them. A lot of people didn't, but I loved them. And I loved hearing from my colleagues about things that I needed to work on. And I loved hearing things that I was good at because a lot of times I didn't even notice those things. I might've been hypersensitive on things I needed to work on, 
but I really didn't often know what I was good at from their perspective. And so that constructive criticism provides valuable insights that help you evolve to your next, your next chapter. Again, daring discomfort is getting uncomfortable. That's the whole part of it. It's confronting that discomfort head on and welcoming it into your life because you know it's going to make you a better person. It's going to build your confidence and it's going to allow you to have greater self-awareness. Number five, engage in professional learning. Invest in a course, a class, a coach, something that will help you see what you don't see. Going back to that example about the Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum and the work she did with those teachers, they were living in the dominance of their own culture. You don't know what you don't know sometimes. When something is congruent, the way you see yourself, your inner experience is also reflected back to you. It gives you blind spots. So sometimes you just need a course, a class, or a coach to help you see what you don't see. Professional learning that focuses on emotional intelligence, cultural responsibility, self-awareness, or effective communication will always benefit you and your teams in the long run. Always. There's always something to learn in those spaces. So do at least one of these this week and you'll be daring discomfort in ways that are a first step for you. So next week, we're not done with Daring Discomfort. Next week, we'll continue with our Perspectives mini-series, and we're going to talk about guilt. (laughs) Yes, guilt, and how we can turn those common feelings of guilt that we have when we are in this self-discovery into fuel that cultivates a healthy self-reflection practice. I'm so excited for next week. And I cannot wait to have you here. See you next time. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. You could have been anywhere in the world and you chose to be here. I really appreciate you for that. So listen, if you love this episode, make sure to follow so you never miss an episode with me. And if you want to continue the conversation, send me a DM on LinkedIn and we can connect over there. See you next week.